0: Hello and welcome to the Script and Scribes podcast, the 2020 year-end edition. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for listening. I hope you're all safe and healthy during these crazy times. Today we've got a great group chat with some of our favorite former guests, screenwriters, showrunners, lit reps. And we're going to chat about 2020, the year that was, the year that wasn't. And we've got a great group here so far, and we'll probably have more popping in as we go. Um, we are joined right now first by... The legendary Trey Calloway, uh, the busiest man in the industry, writer, producer, showrunner on dozens of series such as Station 19, APB, Rush Hour, Revolution, Messenger, CSI New York. He's also a professor at my former alma mater, uh, USC School of Cinematic Arts, Fight On, Trey, and the host of the best annual music podcast on the planet, Tradio. So be sure to check that out. Link will be below. We've got Ava Jamshidi, uh, lit manager and producer at Industry Entertainment. Uh, we've got Rob Edwards. He is here. He was on our last one, but he's here again. So it's great to have you. Screenwriter on Disney's Princess and the Frog, Treasure Planet, and a ton of hmm. other film and TV series like The Full House, Prince of Bel-Air, Living Color, Different World, etc., etc., etc. Uh, Paul Guillot is here, writer-producer-showrunner on NCIS New Orleans, The Librarians, Leverage, and a screenwriter of Geostorm. Um, And Alex Litvak, another Trojan, right? Uh, Screenwriter of Predators, the Secret Society of Second-Born Royals, and the Three Musketeers. Alex, welcome. Thank you for coming, everybody. Pleasure. Good to be Uh, here. Now, uh, 2020. Uh, I don't want to make it too depressing, so we really... Why don't we just start it off with good news? What's one good thing that you've had happen so far in so far that you had happen in 2020? Uh, maybe we'll start with Trey.
1: Uh, they may not see it this way, but I got all three of my kids home at the same time in a way <laughs> that I that I in a way that I did not anticipate happening. Uh, my oldest daughter, Clementine, was in her senior year at Bates College and about to graduate. She got that cut short and had to graduate in our backyard. And my oldest son, Crockett, had just started his freshman year at Northwestern, was none too thrilled about getting that interrupted. And our youngest, Cosmo, is in his junior year of high school down the hallway as we speak right now. So I, I know that none of them want this to be the case, <laughs> but we all got to be together in a way that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. And so that's been a definite silver lining.
2: Great. Ava? Gosh, for me, I just feel really lucky and privileged, you know. I, I think this year has really highlighted, you know, um, so many positives. And I'm glad to have a family that believes in science. And I'm glad to have uh, had, frankly, an amazing year standing in my living room um, and been able to get a lot of people working. And grateful that, you know, writers can work from anywhere during a pandemic. So it's been pretty terrific. And and uh, it's been nice to see how resourceful we can all be. And another positive, I would say, is just even amongst casual, like uh, executive and producer acquaintances, let alone friends, I think we're just all a little bit more real. And I think we're all just being a little bit more true to how we feel and, and a little bit more candid. And and I think that realness is something I've really appreciated in all of this.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, yeah, I'll. Um, yes, I I, uh, I. I will. I will piggyback on that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what Ava said. Uh, Ava, by the way, one of the greatest. <laughs> one and of the greatest us, managers a, ever. We,
2: we've worked together before. Rob's one of the yes,
3: greatest. Exactly. It's fantastic. So uh, kudos for having her on the thing. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, for me, I think uh, yeah the same kind of thing that that oddly writers. Most of the writers I talk to say. I've had zero change in lifestyle this year, you know. We all kind of work from home. It's actually a good thing to not have to drive 45 minutes across town for a meeting. Sit there in the lobby with the stupid water and you know whatever. Have these these things. You can just kind of click on your uh, uh, computer and then be done with it when it's over. Um, so that's actually a you know it's a blessing. It's 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 huge. Uh, also, it's it has been interesting because producers will just call directly and say you know hey you know what are you doing you want to take a look at this thing uh check your email box and you know and right away you know it's cut out a lot of the middlemen uh you're having these really great personal conversations with people so with animation and with uh you know some of the other stuff i'm doing it's it's I, I, I feel, you know, I, I'm absorbing the blessings. I am glad that I don't have to kind of, you know, go out and uh, into the fray every day and, and um, you know, and deal with what I can't imagine other people are dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, Alex.
4: Uh, well, let's see. Uh, looking at the silver lining for this, uh, uh, show a year uh, <laughs> I managed to sell a script in the summertime uh, with spec script with uh, Chet Stahelski attached to direct um, and uh, my writing partner and I are currently in negotiations to sell a TV show to uh, Disney plus so um, that uh, thank you
0: Good.
4: Um, thank you thank you and and then also just on a personal note my wife who is also an, an entrepreneur and businesswoman uh, not in the business thing thank God. She managed to, to to save her company from going under and then a, was able to find another investor that actually not only um, allowed for the company to survive, but is now uh, thriving and hiring more people, which is unheard of in the pandemic. Wow. So I'm grateful for that. Um, and look, uh, uh, kind of just echoing what everybody said, uh, the blessing and the curse of what we do is it, 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 it comes down to uh, the butts in the chair, fingers in the keys. And it can be challenging to do that in times when the world around you is imploding, but it could also be cathartic and rewarding to do it when the world is running around you, around you is imploding. And the only escape you have is, is, is into the page.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
5: Um, Paul. You're, um, probably for me uh, it's, 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 deeply personal stuff, but I'm sure a lot of other people, um, are feeling it to me. The best thing from this year is, uh, gratitude, sort of learning to appreciate what I already had instead of constantly focusing on what's next. What can I get? How can I obtain that? How can I get that job? How can I sell this? How can I write that? Um, it just, you know, has made me really appreciate um, how beyond blessed I've been in my life and career. And uh, and really, I've got a whole new perspective now due to, you know, that sort of face-first plant to rock bottom. Mm-hmm.
0: And this year obviously has been, as uh, Alex I think it was Alex put, that put it uh, a complete shit show of a year, uh, obviously with the pandemic and wildfires and natural disasters and social unrest and the absolute cluster that was the presidential election uh, and those nasty murder hornets. I don't know if they're still a thing, but that's just terrible and I don't I want them to go away. <laughs> uh, but obviously the one that's affected people the most and the longest is the pandemic, and while I don't want to delve into that so- whole sort of thing, uh, the vaccine is on the way, which is a great sign, and hopefully things will start to normalize uh, starting next year, and, and hopefully we can get through this rough patch that we're going through right now, but I want to ask all of you how, and, and I think Trey and, and Ava and, and Rob touched on it as well already, but how has it COVID, the, the pandemic, affected you Uh, Personally, but also professionally. And how do you see that carrying forward in 2021? Um, Do you see things just going back to normal once the the vaccine and we have herd immunity, that kind of thing? Or do you see this having sort of a fundamental change in the way the business sort of operates? Um, I'll start with, since it's business, I'll start with Ava.
2: Gosh, I, you know, it's been uh, eye-opening a lot in many ways. So I'm particularly curious for our showrunners here to talk about, you know, in-person rooms versus Zoom rooms once, let's say, everybody's comfortable enough to breathe the same air and air conditioning, you know, for a, a day together, um, uh, multiple days in a row. But, um, you know, I think, I think this has been a great opportunity for folks who don't live in Los Angeles, who are looking to have careers and have maybe a hard time coming out here. Um, I, I think uh, there's more appreciation for just what it means to be a writer who can deliver and who can be, you know, be able to communicate through these sort of screens. So I, my hope is that writers are appreciated a little bit more than they typically are, which doesn't feel like it's ever enough, in my opinion. Um, but um because, you know, it it, it uh, the challenge of a lot of this was you had a lot of materials sort of coming in, and then when are they going to come out of the pipeline? So you had this weird dynamic uh, this year, and every every buyer was sort of reacting differently and every buyer was sort of playing things differently. Um, You know, Disney, for example, their calendar, their fiscal year starts again, first of October. So they weren't doing much of anything, you know, earlier in the pandemic. But later on, when a lot of other people had already bought maybe more than they needed, we were hopeful that Disney could now all of a sudden open up. So it became much more like, rather than, oh, you have spec season or you have broadcast season or you have this stuff, everything just sort of, it became more case by case with each buyer and that was an adjustment and interesting. Um, and then I, I personally don't know that anything will start feeling kind of normal or that we'll get to a, just given how many anti-vax types are out there as well too. Like I I don't think anything is going to be normal before next summer at the earliest personally. So even for myself, I'm like, well, I've been crazy productive just at home. Do I, you know, could, do I need to go in the office every day of the week like I used to? Do I need to do some of that stuff? Do I even have some more flexibility with my lifestyle and everything else? So, you know, there's there's still a lot of, that remains to be seen, but it's interesting to have these questions that I n- never thought I would this time last year.
0: Mm-hmm. And Ava sort of launched it to our, our showrunners. Uh, Trey, maybe I'll start with you. Uh, how is this going to affect writers' rooms going forward? You know, at least your writers' rooms.
1: Well, uh, you know, look, I've been on an odyssey for the past year that has been, it's such a whirlwind in and of itself, but then even more so since the pandemic kicked in. But look, you know, writer's rooms are shifting and changing in all kinds of ways, many of which are long overdue and 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 frankly welcomed, uh, at least by me. But the, the, you know, as we all start working for basically the same three or four major streaming companies... <laughs> Um, and as they merge and gobble each other up, you know, things are getting more and more international, right? So I had run a, <clears throat> uh, a room that was a Chinese American co-production and, uh, and out of that, uh, I wound up consulting for Imagine and spending uh, a couple of months last summer in Beijing running a room of 13 Chinese writers, which was an incredible experience. Uh, even though I don't speak Mandarin, you learn about 30 seconds into that process that we all speak the international language of storytelling. So that's incredible. But then out of that, I wound up going to Mexico city, uh, for Amazon and working on Argentinian, Colombian, Chilean, Mexican shows. And then from there to Japan working to help launch six Japanese shows. And then from there to London to help launch five, uh, Egyptian shows, Uh, All of which was incredible, and that led all the way up to, uh, in in February of this year and in March of this year, I was in Munich helping Netflix launch a German show, and then it all ground to an abrupt halt. And I caught the quickest emergency flight back, and we have all had our wings clipped since. Um, But... The So all of that was inc- extraordinary and all of it points toward, you know, sort of a, a smaller world view and, a, and sort of a more international uh, effort in which all of our, you know, all of these skills that we've built up over time, we are now much more better or much better equipped to sort of share with others and vice versa. And we all feed on each other's energy in that way, which is great but now we're having to do it via screens and although it's not as great for my personal selfish travel experiences <laughs> it is much easier to do those things now and so i just started uh, last week working with a group of taiwanese writers and i'm about to do the same thing with a group of saudi writers now it means that with the time differences i got to maybe get up a little early to do what i do but like it's it's this makes it much easier um more difficult in a lot of ways but much easier in the ways that i think are ultimately the most important
0: and uh how do you see it do you see it making a fundamental change meaning going forward or do you think it's going to go back to the way it was
1: oh i you know we'll get back to some version of normal it will never that's the thing about normal right it's constantly reinventing itself and uh So I'm 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 a little leery of sort of trying to be too nostalgic about getting back to any notion of good old days, but because um, they're usually not that great to be with. But uh, I do think that we will eventually. I agree with Ava. I think maybe late summer of next year we're we're sort of maybe can get back into some version of rooms, uh, which is which is in you know look we we all thrive on each other's personal energy. I I can't speak for the rest of you, but I'm just frankly starved for hugs. Um so bring it in virtually. Anyway, <laughs> like that that kind of energy you can never replace with this and you know, that kind of spontaneity and the things that the magic that happens in in a writers' room, it it you can duplicate it to a certain extent here in the Brady Bunch realm, but not entirely and so I I th- I hope we get back there sooner or later. I think we will get back there sooner or later, but in the meantime, you know, this, this is it. And thank God for this, right? This, is, mm-hmm. uh, this has really uh, saved a lot of people's uh, sanity in, in many respects, as challenging as it can be to combat the Zoom gloom.
0: Right. Uh, and Paul, our other showrunner here, uh, how has the, how's COVID affected you personally and professionally? And how do you see Rooms going forward in 2021? And is, has there been a fundamental change in the future?
5: Yeah. Um, as far as personally, you know, it's affected me as, as you know, I'm sure other people, many people I've, I've had people with, I haven't lost anyone, thank God, um, but I've had, I've had people get sick and that's scary. And like, I just found out I'm, I'm my kids are in St. Louis and I'm in Arizona right now because my, my mother hasn't been doing well. So I came out here to help out with that. And then I just found out my son got it. So now he's quarantined, so I'm not going to be able to go home for Christmas um, and see my kids. So that's brutal personally. Um, as far as I, I think 2020 is going to fundamentally change what we do in the in the TV writing world, and not. And I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say fundamentally change, but there's going to be a change. I believe. I think you're going to see an an abridged version. I feel like writers' rooms are we all what Trey said is absolutely true. You you have to have that energy. You have to have that spontaneity, that immediacy when somebody is sitting across and you and somebody says something and they riff on that and somebody else comes up with something. You can't really get that via Zoom. You know, there there's a thing happening with Zoom where we're all here and we're all looking at each other, but our peripheral visions, you know, it may be full of dogs or cats or kids or outside noise or things that a writer's room doesn't have. I can see writers rooms going to three days a week in the room and two days on zoom, you know, that kind of thing. And then, and then one thing that scares me a little bit is I, I feel like, you know, the studios, their bottom line is always money, no matter what, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, it's money. And I think one thing, even though there's more shows being produced now than ever before, there's more opportunities. I think 2020 has made a lot of studios realize, Oh, we don't need, 10 12 writers in this room we can actually do this show with four writers or five writers like that's a big thing and the people I talk to I haven't I haven't worked in a room this year I've I've only done a couple of, of pilot projects but the people my friends that I've talked to that have been zooming um have just said that that there's there's this just feeling that oh suddenly wow okay you don't you don't need as many as we thought we needed which you know, there's a small argument to be made that that is a good thing, but I think generally, just for from a guild member standpoint and a and a everybody, you know, getting a piece of the pie standpoint, that's a little scary to me.
0: Mm-hmm. And before we jump to our screenwriters, I wanted to jump back to Ava and what is what are you hearing uh, from what Paul was just saying in terms of like shrinking of rooms and is that the chatter going on behind the scenes?
2: It was happening before. Yeah. How many mini rooms were we hearing, were we hearing of? Yeah. You know, you had all these mini rooms where it's like, okay, you know, the showrunner and three writers wrote all the scripts for the series. Like this was the practice at AMC of like, all right, we're now deciding if we're going to pick up the show or not. We're not. Now an entire series with all of its episodes gets shopped and it's only produced. And then maybe there's a next season of that and maybe there'll be more people. It's it was I think the I think the pandemic has only further reinforced what was already happening before.
0: Right. And. Usually smaller rooms tend to be sort of more more top-heavy, the more experienced writers, obviously, because there's fewer of them. So how does that affect younger writers, newer writers coming up?
2: It's incredibly challenging. (laughs) Um, I'd be, uh, you know, just to be candid, it's very, I'm very, uh, you know, uh, uninclined to find younger, you know, in their career you know, writers, because it's just so hard. And just having had an experience, you know, with Trey staffing a show in a healthier time five, six years ago, I was going, how do any of my clients get hired at the lower level? We just got 200 writers at the lower level to read. How does anybody get hired? And by the way, they're all pretty good. There's only maybe a handful that are great and really right. But there's a lot of really talented people who are out there trying to, you know, make their breaks. And that was in a healthier time. So so honestly, it's just, it's going to remain challenging and and. You know, the bar has always been, it can't just be good. It has to be great. Mm -hmm. And maybe now we're even going from that border of great to exceptional. Right. And frankly, it's who somebody is, I think is also going to be important. Like, sorry, just to add one more thing as a rep, it's like really knowing your clients, knowing their backstory, knowing who they are, knowing what makes them tick and being able to go, um, like I have a lower level writer who just got a meeting on a show um, that we're setting today. And it's because there are so many aspects of who he is that are right for this show. And we had the right sample that could be like, he, he applies them this way, this way, this way, this way from these backstories, you just have to try to make it undeniable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a, as a writer out there, newer writer, younger writer coming in, start to formulate that. You need to have, like you said, that identity, you have to have that backstory ready to go. Um and we've just been joined by Ian Shore, screenwriter of the upcoming Mark Wahlberg, Antoine Fuqua sci-fi blockbuster, soon-to-be blockbuster, Infinite. Welcome from Hawaii. You still in Hawaii? You, you are still in Hawaii. You're going to be there too. I'm still in Hawaii, spring. yeah. Lucky, lucky man.
1: That's not right.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 there's nothing I can do. I'm, I'm trapped. They shut down the airport. So
2: jealous. So jealous.
6: <laughs> and How you doing, Trey? Good, good, man. By the way, guys, the, the last time I saw Trey, he was uh, speaking to my class at USC in, uh, in 2007. He came in to speak for Entertainment Industry Seminar. Uh, that's actually the last time I got to see him in person.
1: Wow. Did I have hair then?
6: No. No, you oh, did okay. not.
0: <laughs> um, Ian, the first question we asked everybody, and I'll, I'll jump back to you. Uh, one piece of good news or one good thing that happened to you, Ian,
6: in 2020 um well uh let's see a piece of good news uh well my wife and i had a baby in, in january uh and he's been awesome uh and you know we get to hunker down in this beautiful place until uh you know hopefully there's a, a, a vaccine uh yeah. and you know been able to stay writing the whole time that's about as good as it gets right yeah, that's at, at at this point I'm I'm as given that we're you know alive and working I've been you know in a good place I'm I'm happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I want to we talked to our showrunners about COVID and how it affected them personally and also professionally in the industry and how it sees how they see it going forward in 2021. Now I want to toss it to our our screenwriters um, and I want to start with with Alex. Uh, Alex, can you? Tell us a little bit about uh, how COVID has affected you personally. I know you talked a little bit about it originally, but, and then especially professionally, and how do you see it changing? How, how has COVID changed uh, the way you work and how you think it may be going forward?
4: Well, well first yeah. of all, I'm um, just going kind to of, uh, come back to what you were asking earlier. Yeah. We'll go back to normal. I think the the old saying by the great William Goldman, nobody knows anything, is especially true now because we can all sort of look at our respective crystal balls and say late summer um or early spring these are just projections this is optimism talking um i i maybe it's the russian jewish side of me but i tend to be more pessimistic if we can't agree on wearing masks how can we agree on a vaccine um, um i do think we will go back to some version of normal also very much uh, 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 like what Trey said, normal is continually being redefined but what what we perceive or we, we uh, label as normal um, I don't think that's coming back in quite some time um, um, I, I, I don't believe that theater going will resume fully next year, I think we are at least a couple of years out, I hate to say this um, simply because it, it, it is a the, the the supply of the vaccine that's needed and the number of fully vaccinated people that is required. And then thirdly, we we don't know how many rounds this will require and so on and so forth. Um, now to come back to 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 your question, how has it affected me personally? Uh look, uh writing is always a challenge and it's always a struggle. And, 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 and as I said, there are days where it's tremendously rewarding to escape into the page when, when you feel like the the, the world around you is on fire. And there are days where you're like, Oh my God, the last thing I want to do now um, is, is, is try to write it as I, I, as I watch people around me suffer and lose their job and jobs and lose, lose their uh, loved ones. Um, we unfortunately had a death in the family. We don't think it was COVID-related. It was somebody who had heart problems, but very abruptly passed away last week. And just having a funeral at that at that at that time was tremendously challenging logistically, and and obviously, you know, being able to grieve at a time when it's hard to come together is, is, is pretty difficult. Um, but again, look, creativity is. I don't think it's fueled by happiness. It's fueled largely by, by pain and discomfort. So um, I, 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 I feel like it's a, it's a good time to tell stories. Um, and um, I really feel also what um, Alu said is so true. There's always been a high bar, but now that bar has just gotten higher. It cannot be, um, it cannot be good enough it can be even great enough. It has to be undeniable. That that word that, that she 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 mentioned, which I've heard several times from, from reps, from colleagues, from producers, like there there has to be an undeniable reason for somebody in the world where um, there are always so many reasons to to say no and now they've just multiplied given that their production concerns, which are still being figured out. There are release concerns that are being currently figured out. The feature market, which was already kind of in a bit of an identity crisis is now going through a bigger identity crisis. Um, Just as a sort of half feature, half television writer, I I think I'm going to start doing a lot more television simply because I don't know how many more features will be made in the traditional theatrical model. Uh, If it's all streamers, I have to question how many more big movies we're going to see if, if fundamentally, if it's if it's not branded, so let's, let's say Star Wars movie, you're going to somehow blast it out in the theaters and you're going to release it on Disney+. Plus. Um, same goes for Marvel, but beyond that, uh, I, I think big movies may be uh, very much on the magic on the line because if you're going to be releasing it on HBO Max, and Disney Plus, how many $200 million movies can you sustain? And that used to be the, the traditional bread and butter of, of every studio. But again, that, that may or may not change, depending on how this unfolds. Um, I, I feel like for, for the future for, for the market, um, it, it was a narrow window. The window just got an, a lot narrower, um, which, which is, it, you know, it, it, again, um, these days... Um, I think it's all, at least for me, continues to continues to be about specs. I really feel that the writing assignment market has has gone incredibly small. So, if it's if it's all about specs, what is the undeniable reason for the feature spec to exist, especially in 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 the current marketplace? And um, um, I really believe now there has to be either a tremendous entertainment component to the story like just truly like it is as much as a good time it's a great time i can't put it down um uh, i'm so entertained by it given like uh, which is which is needed given given uh, the uh, the kind of emotional burnout that everybody's going through. or there's a tremendous relevance um like it, it speaks to something really important going on in, in our world of perhaps ideally both so um, I, I feel like for me, there's always with every story i I, I, I tell there there has to be sort of why now, why the story lens, and I feel like the filters got smaller and smaller, at least for me, in terms of why now in times of these why, why, why the story and 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 I, I feel like um every future writer I've talked to. Um, has 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 also sort of wrestled with that and saying, yeah, maybe maybe it was good enough before COVID, but but now I um, I I'm, I may may need to be more rigorous in terms of how I assess my storytelling. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, Rob, same question. Um, how has COVID affected you personally and professionally? How do you see it going forward as a as a screenwriter?
3: Yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting. I mean, uh, I I think, well starting with uh, Thanksgiving, right, that uh, my younger son lives in Santa Monica, my older son is in New York, um, and my younger son called, like, the day before Thanksgiving and said, a friend of a friend of mine had COVID, and I, I you know, uh, so I have a contact issue, I don't want to come over, and, um, which is, you know, heartbreaking, uh, but, uh, but of course, on the other side of it, like, when I, when the thing first came around, I, I, called my doctor and I said, uh, I said, Hey, you know, what's, what's the deal with this? And she says, Oh my God, I'm so glad you called you were the first person I thought of when this thing came up. And I was like, almost, oh, no, don't say that. It's like, dude, your list of comorbidities is, is, is crazy. So, okay, good. So I'm, I'm, I'm locked in and I'm glad that my kids are, uh, you know, are, are respecting that we're now gearing up for, you know, we're 10 days away from, uh, uh, from Christmas. And so now everybody is kind of self-quarantining and hoping that they can, you know, my younger, my older son can get on a plane. My younger son can drive across town. So, you know, hoping, hoping, hoping uh, that we can do that. And I guess we're going to, we're going to test everybody the day that they get here and, uh, and hope to have a, uh, hope to have a good time. So there's that. Um, it's interesting you would ask about uh, getting back to normal. And I'm, I I I I am hoping that it is Ava's model and that in June. We're all like, woohoo, you know,
2: whatever. Fourth of July is like, you know, have a good time. I think it's more uh, like September, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because I
3: think it's going to be more like, uh, you know, more like Alex's uh, Russian Jewish model. <laughs> and I think, because I do think that we're just not the whole rest of the world is just laughing and saying, like, you know, why the denying why the mask denying you know and you look at taiwan and you look at new zealand and and there's like boom they're just walk, they're running the streets you know china there's there's traffic jams because they're back they you know they're back in order we're not going to be there for 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 a good long time you know writing rooms are interesting are an interesting dynamic to that because you have there's nothing greater than a writing room having worked on you know uh, tv shows for a decade uh, you know sitcoms it was it's it's incredible. And, and some of the best things that happen are these just crazy mistakes where somebody next to you will whisper something and and you go, oh, dude, got what, what you got to pitch that. Like, no, 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 it's not going to work. No, I have the other half of that idea. Let's go. You know, and you just and you just go flying and it's and it's just a ton of fun. Um, and you can also read everybody's faces. You know, you're like, dude, you can talk all day, but that's not going to sell. <laughs> you know, let's move on. Um, you know that's 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 golden. I did do a, a, a table a couple of weeks ago for DreamWorks, and it was interesting because we had a DreamWorks animation and we had a, um, writers from all over the place, which was a good a good thing. Um, and everybody, you know, people who probably might not have been able to to get to town for the actual table were actually were able to participate, and that was. You know that's a plus. So 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 you do get that. Um, interesting too, because I, I think that uh, Trey was talking about the scope, like the places you can go. I'm trying to catch up, but, <laughs> but but the places you can go, and I and it, it has been really ex- incredible that way. Because I did a, I just finished a, a Korean animated film, and so that was mostly Zoom. So it was like, okay, great. You know, this is fun. There's a translator, and you just you just get get going. Uh, I helped out on a Spanish animated film. So that was, that was a blast. Um, I just did a, um, an interview. Um, uh, I speak French. So I did an interview for the uh, Marseille Web Fest. Uh, and, uh, and that was, uh, that was kind of fun. You know, it was, it was a trip that I wouldn't have been able to make any other way, but they just, you know, you wake you up in, in the morning and you go and you get to talk and, and you get, you know, people, people chime in and uh, with their questions. So that was a, That was a, that was a blast. So that part of it, I think is, is, is really positive. You know, moving forward, who knows what's going to happen. I think that it's, I'm actually hoping that we retain a little bit of this because of the expediency of it, that it's, it's kind of between a phone call and a private meeting that phone calls are just not sufficient at all. Um, And I hate driving across town in LA traffic and getting there. And I just want to like, you know, (laughs) throttle somebody. And there's the, you know, uh, there's some guys going to give me notes and I got to kind of get my blood pressure down (laughs) as we're, as we're talking. So this is wonderful. I can have my little cup of coffee and, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, and go. So I'm hoping that some part of that stays, but yeah, no, the magic of, uh, of, of the room is just like, it's, it's undeniable. And so, so hopefully we will get back to that. Um, and hopefully this will be the last pandemic, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is it. There are no other, nobody else is eating any bats. <laughs> just, you know, just, just <laughs> leave the bats alone and, uh, and <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be happy. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and we will all live our lives.
0: Uh, on uh, on that note, uh, uh, Ian, so how has COVID, which will hopefully be the last pandemic, right, uh, that we face in our lifetimes, hopefully, um, uh, how has COVID affected you and uh, personally, professionally, and how do you see it affecting things in 2021?
6: Uh, I, I mean, you know, the, the first big thing I can think of is um, – I came into 2020 really excited about seeing like my, my movie. like we were supposed to come out back in, uh, in August. Like at the end of the summer, this will, you know, this will be under control by then. Right. So, you know, the, the past year has been like a really sobering experience for me because they, you know, they pushed our day to Memorial Day weekend, 2021. Um, they're. I mean, don't quote me on this, but they're probably going to move it again, uh, just because Fast and Furious moved to that date. So, to, to be honest, I I feel like when around the time that audiences are going to have full confidence to be back in a, a a packed movie theater, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking 2022. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the maybe I'm overcorrecting from my you know initial overabundance of optimism but that that's what my, my gut is telling me. I'm not saying that 2021 is going to be completely dead theatrically, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not fully back to life until the, the following year. Um, now, um, outside of that, uh, for, you know, a, a guy who, you know, writes at home, you know, my, my, my office at home is, is the dining room table. And, you know, generally my, you know, my average work day doesn't involve me going a lot of places, just seeing a lot of people. Things didn't change for me in a gigantic way. When, when COVID happened, it's like, Oh, well, looks like I'm just going to be more of a hobbit than I already am. Like, yeah, you know, this is, <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't a radical change for my, my day to day life. Uh, except the, the lack of options and the, um, knowing what was, was happening on the, out in the world. uh, actually made me not want to write for a while. I was, you know, early on in the pandemic, I was like, writing always felt like a chore, but if I was, um, you know, helping, you know, some friends who were, uh, you know, going through tough times, you know, helping them w- w- with something they needed help with or, uh, you know, working on a piece of music or, know, doing some kind of charity work, that's where my, my, my real energy was. Like, I I think early on in the pandemic, I was like, all right, nobody needs screenplays during a pandemic. Like, you know, people need mitzvahs, Um, you know, but as time has gone on, I've, I've gotten more back into the swing of writing. And I I think the, the headline for me here is that uh, pretty much since the day I started working as a writer in some form or another the sky has been falling like i i started uh i I sold my first scripts out out of college back in 2007 and it was i I basically went to work right into the writer's strike and then the the 2008 financial collapse (laughs) so like yeah I, i had everybody in my ear telling me like okay there's no worse time to be a writer right now like uh, you know, studios aren't buying specs. Nobody has any money. Everybody's losing their portfolios. <clears throat> uh, you know, the whole industry's hurting because of the writers' strike. Like, oh man, did you did you pick a bad time to to, to get started? Uh, and then, you know, in the, the years after that, because I'm mainly a spec guy, I, I kept hearing like, oh, you know, it's it spec market's dead. Like the the studios only want pre branded IP. Like, you know, unless you've got the the rights to GI Joe, nobody gives a shit. So, you know once again, more more of that sky's falling mentality. and uh, with with COVID, you know it, it's it's more of the same song. It's the, you know it's the uh, studios aren't spending money. Uh, the theatrical experience is dying, specs are dying. Uh, and some of that is true to a certain extent. like I, I definitely have seen you know like the spending freezes happening at the studios over over the past year. And I've seen how the the target you have to hit as as a feature guy is getting so much smaller, um, but I, I think that you know writers at their core are resilient creatures. You kind of have to be to survive in this business, and that whatever the long term effects of COVID are, the the writers are going to adapt to them.
0: Mm-hmm. I definitely want to get into the whole Warner Brothers announcement. Of releasing in theaters and streaming at the same time, but before we do, um, we've been joined by uh, Brendan Hay, uh, writer producer on Star Wars Detours, Harvey Girls Forever, The Simpsons, Dawn of the Crudes, Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai, The Daily Show, and Robot Chicken. Welcome, Brendan. Hey, thanks for having me on.
7: Sorry for being late joining all you guys. All good, all good. <laughs> I love your sweater, by the way. Oh yeah, I. I very big on branding and uh yeah i probably should take this off before i share any opinions on Warner
0: brothers but otherwise uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing a gremlins uh holiday sweater Thank yeah you. Thank you. um so a couple questions the first being uh what's one good thing that happened to you in 2020 during this train wreck of a year what's one good thing <laughs> that happened to you or one good takeaway from 2020 that you've had so far
7: um really appreciating being in animation uh since we transitioned to all working remotely so so quickly so uh yeah you know uh i've already thankfully loved working in animation but the past few months or yeah going on a year now i guess has been like man we were able to adapt so quickly so that's been really nice uh and also just yeah it's um it's funny just listening uh, to what Ian was saying, I totally understand the having trouble getting focused for work, but ultimately, like for me, work became like my source of joy this year because there 's the one thing I had any sense of control over
0: um,
7: mm-hmm. and it's and it was
0: fun mm-hmm. so yeah and it 's a great segue to animation you work in animation a lot. Um, how do you see the animation business going forward into twenty twenty one as covid Hopefully, becomes less and less of a thing, a less of a threat. Um, how do you see it affecting animation? I think it's gonna be interesting. It seems like this
7: year is nice to see animation. A lot more people wanting to try animation this year, in terms, of, especially at like the studio level of people, kind of finally seeing like it doesn't have to be just this one genre, just for this one age group, just for this demographic. Like people finally being like, yeah, let's try different projects in the animated space and see how it works. So. I hope that continues and I hope it doesn't become the, hey, we got everything else back up and running. Let's just squash those and go back to how things were. Hopefully there'll be some actual traction.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so going back, going to the big Warner Brothers announcement in theaters and streaming. Uh, yeah, I just want comments. What are your guys' thoughts on it? And, <laughs> uh, you know, where is, this, where is this leading us, both in film and television? Um, Ava, you are our resident uh, industry <laughs> Yeah.
2: As a non-writer of this group. Um, I mean, to me, it's first and foremost the sign of no confidence that people are going to feel good about going into a movie theater. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I personally don't think I will feel comfortable being shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of folks with no masks before some point, And maybe it's late 2022. I, I don't. I don't know. It just depends on you know, how much the vaccine has permeated and, 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 and how people are treating and hopefully a little bit more kindness and empathy in this world starting January 20th in that afternoon. Um, but it, um, I think, I, I think the, the idea that theatrical is just gonna go away is, is pretty silly. As long as these corporations have a chance to make billions of dollars one movie at a time and then capitalize on more money when it goes to streaming they're not going to leave money off the table i think it's strictly a reaction to just the state of our world right now so it um i think you know we also we've all relied on netflix um both in our movie watching but for me and a lot of my selling you know that's Netflix has been one of the only healthy buyers consistently this entire year and um from ip to uh in film and animation i have a client with a greenlit movie and animation didn't miss a beat as a director and co-writer so like all of all of that stuff we're still getting we're still getting our movies made it's just i think our way of thinking of what success means when it comes to film is evolving um and if the goal is to try to get as many people watching your movie, then not much is going to really change. I think what we have to make sense on my side of things is making sure the deals make sense, because the, that to me is the biggest issue with what Warner Brothers has done. I think they, they really mismanaged it from a PR standpoint for your not only your filmmakers, but and their key, the key people involved who all have back-end positions, finding out on Twitter, your executives primarily, from what I heard, found out on Twitter. This this just shows you how it's an at and decision, and it wasn't a Warner Brothers decision, mm. you know, just how corporate all of this is getting. So I think we need to remember the humanity of all this, that these are these are working, you know, uh, artists and, and craftsmen who have put a lot of time, love, and energy into this, and you know, you can, you can pivot in this sort of way, but you've got to have the human part of it too. It can't just be a, a bottom line line item here, read about it in a tweet kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I hope that there's a bit more thoughtfulness in all of that, but I, uh, just even talking to some, you know, name partner attorneys who I share clients with over the last week, finishing up some deal stuff on, on other clients we share. It's a lot of work for them right now, trying to get into all of this back end and, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Disney, for example, has a de- delineation, and they did. I had a client's movie who, oh, that almost got greenlit uh, about a year and a half ago, and the delineation was, you know, if it's seventy million dollars or below, it's going to be for Disney Plus. Above seventy million dollars, which makes sense. These are all giant, big movies anyway that are in theaters for the most part. It's theatrical, so. You know, of course, first thoughts were like, well, what does this mean for my client's box office bonuses and the back end and all of this other stuff? We didn't end up having to go down that road, unfortunately, because uh, I'd rather have a movie made than still sitting over at Disney one way or the other. Um, and I'd rather have the chance to figure that out. But um, but I think I think things will eventually find its rules for these other streamers as well when they're with buyers that also have theatrical opportunities. But I, I see this as a one-year thing and uh, maybe a little longer, but I think what we'll see is a narrowing of the theatrical window is what I do expect that we'll see. You know, would, in in two, three years from time, would Wonder Woman come out for a month in theaters and then, and then after that month you could also see it on HBO Max? So you maybe saw it two times in the theater and then ten more times on HBO Max, and you're getting people's money in more than one way. Mm-hmm. So... I I can see that being like that sort of quote unquote home video window. I think that's, what's going to really change.
0: Mm -hmm. And while the box office has been top heavy for a a while, a little while now, um, how does that affect newer writers in terms of, does it make the writer who really only wants to do mid-level films more or less appealing knowing it's probably in in the future and they may not get as many, opportunities for theatrical release and it may be a streamer or does should writers continue doing what they're doing don't worry about the business it'll figure itself out
2: the hardest part is just getting anything let let alone made but even sold these days so success breeds more success and if you major in film you need a minor in tv if you major in tv you still need a minor in film and and animation is a subset of both so i i think um i think the goal is just to sell something like i i have a a client who's you know, um, not necessarily young in their career, but it's had some missteps, and somebody who I was a friend with, who I've been now representing for two years or so. And we've been packaging what I think is probably his best script yet um, a super fun action film that was part of his love letter to Die Hard and, and, and John Wick. So just had a real, you know, pure joy about it. We've been packaging it since May, because me showing it to the marketplace does nothing for him, because, we're like, oh, it's cool, but it's an original, or oh, everything that's selling has, like, either IP or some massive, massive uh, packaging along with it. It's like, of course, Simon Kimberg's able to sell something, <laughs> but like right. my guy, I gotta, you know, we gotta put a little elbow grease in it. And now we have a meaningful director. We have great producers. I made the producers compete in terms of how they could package. And when they brought an element, we then committed to a producer. And it's a meaningful director. And hopefully, in the, you know, we're out to some meaningful actors right now. And, and I'd rather take the time, and this was obviously discussed with him, is like being strategic because getting that sale, even if it doesn't get made, is going to change things for him. So there's patience and strategy, and each one is going to be different, and each, you know, each scenario is going to be different. But getting that win on the board, getting that announcement and deadline, that's what breeds other opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, jumping back to the Warner Brothers announcement. Uh, Trey, your thoughts?
1: Oh man, that's all above my pay grade. Uh I mean, look, uh, one thing that that really struck me that Avis said is that I I know I have so many executive friends who felt completely blindsided by that <clears throat> the way the whole thing went down and and it was a, it was a quick reminder that like this is we are a sensitive group of people in this business uh it's 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 why we're here and and it's not limited to the artists. it's it 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 absolutely applies to all the the execs as well and so i i I was i was really struck by that i I shouldn't be because alex i think was 100 correct earlier when he was reminding us all that it's a business um but uh but i i you know i i thought that that was uh kind of shameful the way that all went down, typically corporate, but still kind of shameful, um, especially in a creative community as, as small as ours. You know, another thing though, that that Ava was touching on that I would piggyback on as well, you know, having just finished my, I think it was like my 15th year of teaching at SC, like now more than ever, I you know, I, I try and remind students that the, the minute they erroneously try to convince themselves at this point in 2020, that they are either exclusively a feature writer or a television writer i say to them is the same moment someone is going to step over their rotting carcass on their way up the red carpet because it's all about diversify 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 right now and uh, and it's also about like you know uh, no matter what <clears throat> what your idea no matter what your great feature idea may be or that you may be you may have convinced yourself it is uh, now more than ever, you have increased opportunities for it to just as easily be a limited series or uh, or 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 uh, a long running series for all you know. So you have to really, really, really keep your opportunities open and diversify in in that respect. Um, I think that was it, uh, except for one other thing, which was an interesting to sort of get back to when we're all going to feel comfortable in theaters. You know, I know I know Mr. Shore and I are kindred spirits in our love for music. Um, but I heard a couple of uh, a group of economists on NPR uh, the other day after UCLA re- released this sort of prognostication predictive report about when the economy is going to bounce back, if the economy is going to bounce back. And they were all sort of knee deep in all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, uh, economic theory. Uh, but one of them finally cut to the chase was like, I'll tell you when things are going to be normal. I can tell you in one word. It's Coachella. And the others sort of (laughs) laughed a little bit. And he said, no, 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 here's what I mean. Uh, you know, Coachella was supposed to happen in, and Coachella is interesting because it has sort of, it can have a fluid schedule. Really all they need are the polo grounds. Um, But, you know, of course it was supposed to happen in April and of course it was canceled. And then they said for a while, we're going to do it in October. It'll be a fall, Cella. And then of course that got canceled. And then, you know, uh, there's still talk uh, about a possible spring, April, but everyone agrees it's not going to happen in April. But this economist was saying, if it happens in October of 2021, then all of the positive optimism in the UCLA report about a potential bounce back in the economy, I feel is possible. If it doesn't happen in October and now it's pushed again till April of 2022, uh, then I think there's going to be increased economic impact that we're going to feel. but Coachella as an indicator of people's comfort and willingness to be in a in a big outdoor festival uh, means they're also going to Dodger games. They're going to Rams games. They're going back into movie theaters. They're going to see Broadway shows, all of those things, uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, give us that promise or that hope. And, and, and yeah, so I, I, you know, as somebody who's been to Coachella more times than I can count, like I, 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 I too am looking at Coachella as that, that indicator when it happens, maybe then I'll feel better about going to see the next Marvel movie.
5: So
0: we're all on Coachella Watch 2021.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and unfortunately, uh, things like the Country Music Awards seem to have no problem attracting people, and uh, they go on just fine in these days, which is kind of frightening. But yeah, unless you're Charlie Pride, right? Bless. Right. Um, so the Warner Brothers announcement, um, Alex, w- what are your thoughts, sir? Uh, think you're muted let's see if we can unmute you oh here we go there we go
4: okay um i think everybody's kind of touched upon that uh it um shows um lack of confidence that people will start going back to theaters in 2021 which i I talked about that i totally agree with that said the way in which was handled in, in in the business that is driven by relationships with kind of like the mafia, there are be least unspoken uh, rules and, and 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 codes, and that sort of shattered all of them. Um, uh, it was poorly handled. Um, I I strongly suspect that there is, there is going to be, given the blowback that we're having, there there is going to be some modifications to 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 their announcements. Um, be it um, modifications to the deal to their uh, release schedule but 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 that we've not heard the last of it um and 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 I do believe in um what what um ava, ava was saying earlier that it cannot possibly be the the end the end of theatrical um simply because. I believe it is in our cultural DNA to go in these dark rooms and experience a story, a spectacle, um, an emotional journey with a bunch of strangers. And I don't care how good technology will get. I don't care how big our screens we'll, we'll, we'll get at home. There is no substitute for it. And I don't see it changing um, within our lifetime. It's like pe- people were like, "Oh, theater is dead." Well, guess what? It's not. Um, so um, the the theatrical release schedule will be modified in some way, shape, or form. Uh, obviously, you should also do, do, uh, touched upon the the, the uh, window getting shorter, but it will come back. I think 2022 is a more realistic estimate, um, but um, I think it, I think it is it is going to come back, um, and and. Clearly, I, 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 I don't see other studios jumping on that b- bandwagon very quickly and just saying, oh, we're going to dump everything. So Sony's going to sell all their movies to, to Amazon and Disney's going to put everything on Disney+. Plus. I think this was a very reactive measure. And obviously, they, they, there is, there is some, some validity to what they did, but they also overcorrected. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't see this fundamentally reshaping our business in any kind of permanent way. Right.
0: No, I, I agree. I think the communal experience is definitely something that you can't sort of replicate no matter how big your home theater is. Um,
5: see my
4: problem with that. And actually I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a quick prediction. I suspect them when theaters do reopen, um, and sort of going with Trace Coachella theory, which actually I quite I quite loved, and I'm going to start using it from now on. It's a, it's a very very good indicator. I've been wanting to see a surge in movie in theater movie going because I think people are starved not only for new contact, people are just starved for a sense of community. I actually. Kind of weirdly enough, I, I haven't done one of those and, 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 and also I'm like, oh, it's, it's just kind of nice to see people and, and interact with people. so and now imagine doing that in, 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 in person over something that fundamentally brings people together in the way that movies do. I think we're going to see a surge on of, of, of movie going that will for, for, for a period of time will actually be greater than it was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. But that's my prediction or at least my hope
0: mm-hmm. Paul, you you wanted to interject?
5: Well, uh, I agree with everyone. What everyone's saying about the movie going experience and the communalness, and I do think there'll be a surge. The my my cynical brain goes back to what I said earlier: is the people that are in charge don't care about any of that; they care about money. And if you look at the evolution of theatrical release features over the past fifteen years, specifically. You know what I what I love to refer to as the Michael Douglas movie. It doesn't exist anymore. You know, theater releases have been going to the giant movies, the tentpole movies, and I think that again, what this is going to show the people in charge is that wow, look at the money we can save with prints and advertising. Look at the money we can save with the whole residual situation. Look, there, it's you know, it's all about profit for them and theatrical release does is not a good profit model unless you're talking about the movies that bring in three, four, five, six hundred million $600 million. And that's why they will spend 40% of a budget on prints and advertising. And I think what's going to happen is that the theater experience will come back. And I think there'll be a surge. Cause I think everybody, Alex and everybody is saying he's exactly right. People are going to want to have that experience again because it is so special, but How how it's already been shrinking, you know, to the Marvel movies, the the Nolan movies, the you know, it's I think it's going to become even more that that the theater going experience is going to end up being specifically event oriented films. Um, But the positive side of that, in my opinion, is I think movies being made specifically for streaming is going to bring back the Michael Douglas movie, you know, the movies that can be made. For thirty to ninety million dollars, which which really have had a really hard time the last decade and a half, um, that's going to come back because they're going to put them up on Amazon and Netflix and and now Hulu and everything. Um, I just think it all comes down to money. And and as romantic as the theater going experiences is, I don't think the people in charge, when they look at the balance sheets, are going to say, "Oh, you know, well, wow, let's let's release that." 80 million dollar film and spend you know 32.5 million on prints and advertising and stuff or they can say let's let's sell it to netflix
0: Mm -hmm. ava you look like you had uh something to add to that
2: yeah i mean there's a whole giant window of movies that have been getting so hard that have been just so hard to make you know and i think also the advent of such great television has also taken, like, I don't know that you need to make a few good men anymore as a theatrical film or as a film when you have amazing courtroom dramas or, or frankly you're getting Aaron Sorkin in a variety of different ways, you know? So, you know, do you, do you still need those films? And I think we haven't needed those for a long time, but you know, I wonder in a year or two would the next John Wick franchise be theatrical or would it be streaming? Like the movies that fit in that category, the original moderately priced as it were you know i'm thinking 40 to 70 meaning moderately priced (laughs) um you know but i I don't know for me it's like as, as long as folks are working and we're getting stuff made and people can see it like that's what it's about you know we're just we're all just trying to you know, tell stories, you know, none of us are frontline workers or whatever, or back when I was an agent and people would be screaming at me because I didn't give them a spec script for this territory. And I could care less because they're going to call me again when I have the next thing, because I always had, I like to think good things. So it's, you know, it's, and I kept trying to remind them, it's like, you know, we're not saving lives, we're just trying to entertain the people who do, right? So it's it's I think as long as we're able to make stuff and get it to people and entertain them, and streaming exists because there was a vacuum otherwise. Mm-hmm. And and as long as we're able to kind of cover these and make the stuff, like, you know, I I'm I'm excited. Like a lot of the stuff that I live in is not giant $100 million movies, you know? Um, I, I represent intellectual property, and that some of that might be there, but even not all of that lives in that space either. But I, I'll never forget it. I remember being, when I was back at ICM, a colleague and I were covering a major, major studio, and we um, we were sitting in the hallway waiting for our next meeting with another executive, and the head of the studio walked by, who we've known for a long time, and, and that head of the studio was just like, we were like, oh, hey, dude, what's going on? Like, how, how have you been? You know, how's everything going? He's like, oh, I'm good. You know, just, you know, we're like, well, what, do you, what are you looking for? What do you need? You know, that's what we're here for. And he's like, guys, I really need more billion-dollar franchises. And we're like, oh, my God, we've been sitting on so many. I'm so sorry. I, ha, we've, we've been holding up the side of our coffee table with all of them. Like, it, it's just, you know, this was 10 years ago, by the way, too. So nothing, that, that shrinking has happened a long time ago. It might shrink a little bit further. But you know, it, it we'll still have indie art house theaters. I still feel really lucky that I got to see a movie like Portrait of a Lady on Fire on a big screen. I still feel really lucky I've gotten to see some of these indies in this way, and I will continue to seek them out and they'll continue to have opportunity if people continue to seek them out. But yeah, I'm, I, I feel in, in many ways, once we can make the deal making make sense and that, you know, folks aren't getting screwed in that sort of way, it's all mostly back-end, residual-related, things like that, um, and, the, and the WGA has been very much at the forefront in fighting for that for quite some time, um, then we can just get back to just making movies and making great TV and telling great stories and valuing original content again.
0: Uh uh-huh. And Ian, as a writer who has a big-budget film in the pipeline, uh, what's your whole take on it? Uh, my take on, on the Warner situation? Yeah, and how you see it going forward.
6: So I, I think that um, it, uh, part of the, the what makes the Warner thing such a fiasco is that uh, you're going to have this whole generation of filmmakers who don't trust that studio anymore. <laughs> Like, you know, these all all these directors who had to find out on, on Twitter that, you know, the, the movie they thought was going to be up on big screens globally is going to be, you know, getting a day date where people are going to be watching it, like, on their phones. And I think it's really hard to rebuild that trust. And, you know, Warner Brothers was, like, the – it was the place to be if you were a filmmaker who, who was making – popular entertainment that had, you know, your, your own stamp on it. Like they were more director friendly than just about any other studio in town. Uh, and, you know, with one decision, they've managed to undermine that reputation. So it, it's, I think it's going to take a lot of work to build that trust back. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm working on a project over there right now with a director whose movie just got dumped to HBO max as part of that deal. And I haven't asked him about this, but I, I wonder yeah, you know, when he sees his future, when he imagines his future, does he see himself sticking with the studio that did this to him, or is he going to go elsewhere? And that brings me to a larger point, which is, uh, as happy as I am that there are multiple outlets uh, for the stuff that we make, that uh, there are now you know lots of different ways to get lots of different types of movies in front of eyeballs. The 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 fact that I can't escape is that we we have yet to see a straight-to-streaming movie that has had some kind of huge seismic cultural impact the way, like, like a major theatrical release does. Uh, you know, there's been ones that people like, there's been ones that have been very good, but there's been nothing that, like, that left a huge mark in uh, our, our sort of collective consciousness that, you know, the type of movie that, that inspires future generations to make movies. Uh, and until that happens, I don't know how many directors are going to be uh, terribly excited about seeing their movie go straight to streaming. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's still going to feel a little bit farm team. Right. Right. Um, we've
0: just been joined by two new guests: uh, Mr. Drew Chapman, writer, producer, showrunner on such series as *The Resident*, *The Assets*, and *Legends*, and the author of the Garrett Riley series from Simon and Schuster. Welcome, Drew. Thank you. Hi, nice to be here. Uh, and Lindsay Devlin, screenwriter of *Devils do and former CAA colleague of mine. Uh, welcome, Lindsay, all the way from from London. Or where, what part of England do you live in now?
8: We're uh, we're right outside Oxford,
0: actually. Outside Oxford, England. So uh, welcome. Thank you for joining Thank us. Um, the first question I'm going to actually dive into with both uh, Drew uh, and uh, Lindsay. We've been asking everyone, because it's been such a, a wonderful year, uh, what's one really good thing that happened to you in 2020? Just one piece of good news that you have to share with us. So I'll, I'll start with Drew first.
9: Uh, Well, that's hard. Got to search tough. Uh, I would say that the pandemic forced both of my kids to come back and live with me at home, which was, like, just fabulous. and And also... The pandemic, you know, I mean, I'm running a television show from my bedroom or my backyard right now. And we can do it. Like, it can actually be done. I mean, it's hard. um, But, you know, like, we don't all have to go back into the office. And that's kind of revelatory. Um, You know, maybe I can go live outside of Oxford. I like that idea. And just... (laughs) Run a show from England. I mean, I think about that all the time. My wife and I talk about it constantly. Okay, so next season, we're doing this from Barcelona, right? Like, yeah, maybe Barcelona. That sounds pretty good. Um, So I I would say it's those two things, family at home and that you don't have to go into a workplace has been really a surprise and a wonderful Mm. one.
0: Uh, And Lindsay.
8: Yeah, what a crazy time! I mean, it's really weird because we're we're so far away from everybody, but like we're not any farther away than we would have been honestly anywhere else. This is the weirdest thing. So, other than the time change, um, yeah, life is so so zoom you know zoom rific these days. Um, let's see. For me, I, it's a little bit um like like Drew just said. Uh, I think slowing down has forced us as a family and just as individuals to reconnect with what's really important. And for us as a family, we're, we've always been really busy and really scheduley and really let's go to the museums and let's do this. And and honestly, all we've been doing is long walks in parks and um, like really community-based stuff, like helping our neighbors with, you know, gardening and just, I mean, it's, I wish I could just, you know, have the, Ability right now to write about it, but I, th- I hope someday I, I can. I think there's going to be such amazing, interesting art that comes mm-hmm. out of this time. Um, probably already has, but, but will be for time to come. So yeah, I just I feel like um, it just really forced me to be more introspective, uh, slow down, and I think I will never take for granted a hug ever, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ever. Right. So um, I don't think I've had any good news. I think the good news is we might have a vaccine soon. <laughs> That's that's yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll see Los Angeles in 2021. That's my hope. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope. (laughs)
0: Um, I wanted to, to sort of springboard into something else. Um, talking, Lindsay brought up a great, uh, thought of some of the great stories and things coming out of this, uh, in, in the future, but let's talk about 2020 and, and some of the great things we've seen, uh, shows films books you've read things like that stuff that's that you found to be really special in 2020 because this really is something that's carried a lot of people through the zoom and the communication that's been uh, so instrumental in keeping people uh the social connections together of 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 everybody out there and then the art, the films, again, the books, the, the TV shows, sort of enriching people's souls because you can't go out and do other things. So you've, you find those connections through, again, um, you know, TV shows and, and through Zoom. So what are your the favorite shows, films, books, whatever you've, you've read this year? Um, and I'm going to start with Rob, since we haven't heard from Rob in a minute. Rob, what's, what's some of the best things you've, you've, uh, you've partaken in this year that you want to share?
1: yeah
3: right well um it's interesting cuz as we were talking about how the industry is changing and everything uh the the biggest seismic shift i saw this this year was was uh, queen's gambit hmm. you know uh uh you know this this notion of like hey if i do it as a movie which scott french is like if i do it as a movie it's just going to be about oh it's this girl fighting the russians and whatever it's going to be you know there is although you have 2 hours Feature films are very limited, you know, um, and this notion that you can have a hybrid of a seven hour movie uh, that will be enthralling is, 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 is great, you know, uh, and, and I think that, you know, as we're talking about what is the new normal, I think a lot of people, unfortunately over the, or, fortunately or unfortunately, over the break bought bigger TV sets, right? You know, there everybody is used to the notion now of of netflicking and chilling, and this hybrid of the home theater, uh, you know, better speakers and stuff like that. It's there. It's there to stay. Those things aren't going away. So we're gonna we're gonna have that, and and exploring new ways to tell stories is a great, or to exploit what we have, which is you know. You're going to be sitting around for a good long time in a comfortable place. You can pause whenever you want. Uh, can we tell an, in, an interesting story in that time? Um, you know, uh, uh, the other part of it, which is which is interesting to me, is that uh, I, I'm, I'm involved in a bunch of projects, but two, two of the projects that I'm working on right now, one is an animated film, um, writing and directing, and that's um, 2023. And then the other is a... Which is 2023, right? So, so from a practical standpoint, the industry is it's it's going to be what it's going to be. You know that, that there will always, especially post-pandemic, there will be a, a escapist fair will be, uh, you know, will be on the auction block. Everybody's going to want to get back into something that's going to not remind them of you know what's going on outside. So, so, so that's happening. And then, like I say, the, the, the fun will be what happens with this, with this new, uh, with the new normal. You know, how do we entertain people? How do we get people out of their heads? Not thinking about how difficult it is to buy a, 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 a carton of milk at the <laughs> you know uh, You know, how do we get people out of their heads and, and, and into something that can make them laugh? Uh, you know, we don't feel funny as as we're as we're living it, but as storytellers, it's really, really important right now to get people laughing, uh, get people enjoying their lives for just a hat. You know, just just that two hour spot. Um, I did have a question for Ava though. That 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 with the Warner Brothers thing, you 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 mentioned very briefly that the the notion of uh, you know the the box office bonuses, and I keep thinking as more of these movies are coming out, at some time or another, they're gonna have to open their books. You know, there's always been this kind of like, ooh, you know, streaming, the money comes from, you know, Elf and Magic. And um, and, and, and so at some point or another, somebody's gonna have to figure out a model for what is a successful streamer and what is not. You know, was Mank successful or wasn't it? You know? Um, um,
2: you they know, also and- like hiding. You know that information, right? They no, don't want exactly. anybody to know. They ooh, want everything ooh. to be a success. Yeah, yeah so and,
3: and just tell me hard. Hard. it just
2: came up actually with clients of mine who um, who also happen to be very very good friends um, who uh, had a movie, a romantic comedy for Netflix that came out a month or so ago called Love Guaranteed, and and uh, one of them was telling me like this is the biggest residual check we've gotten. So clearly this movie has done exceptionally well. Meanwhile, we're fighting with them on like something for like a fourth movie for them right now that is like a, an EP credit with like no fee attached to it. And we're having to fight for this. And it's like, and they have just got some massive thing and they don't share the information even with their producers very much. They don't share like, You know, you get notes based on data mining, you know, it's just what it's just the things that have happened with all of this and like because completion percentages and this and that and all like it's it's just um, It's an interesting thing. And I don't know how we do. I don't know that we do without having like, you know, the guilds collectively forcing their hands in some way, you know, depending on I don't know if there's you know, Nielsen is changing their model. I, I wish I knew because frankly, we would ask for more with proof of, of success. So it um, we're always going to want more and we're always going to fight to get more money for people. But it's, uh, it's hard when they try not to, when they try to hide it. I think we've had some help in terms of not having to showcase quotes. You know, there's some moments where that doesn't help, but more often than not, we're able to kind of push and ask for more without having to showcase something. But if you also have a quote, that your client gives you permission to fight for it helps to have that sort of empirical proof too. But I, man, I wish, Rob, I wish, I wish we knew more about that stuff because it would ask us to be that much more sharky if we have proof behind it. So.
3: Cause we know that they know, right. They know, oh, they, know.
2: they know, they yeah.
3: know watching what and how much that person paid to watch that minute of, of, of a product. We well, know also- they know they have it on their books and they're just like, Oh, good. More for us. You yeah, know, it's also so. why
2: like the windows for post production is a bit longer, right? For for places like Netflix, you know, it because they're doing twenty different one sheets. Because depending on the shows that you've watched before, this actor, this character might resonate with you more. So that's on your front page versus four of the other people on it, or it's a sli- it's one of these seven trailers maybe that goes like. It is all through that constant. Uh, it's constant feedback depending on what you watch. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, and I, uh, I think they're going to fight it as long as they can. And unless we you know, force their hand and by we, I don't think it's sadly on my end of things. It's going to, I think, come down to the strength of the guilds and ideally, you know, including Ayatsi, all four of them kind of combining and working together to, to open up their books.
0: Yeah. Um, and, Trey, I'm going to jump to you, favorite shows, films, books. But also, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to have some great music suggestions for us. Uh, <laughs> uh, and if you haven't, Tradio 2020, Trey's annual year-end music podcast, which I was just listening to. I'm about halfway through it before sure. we got on. Uh, we'll have a link below if you want to check that out. Um, but Trey. It was, a the- true
1: la- it was a true labor of love this year, man. <laughs> yeah, I bet.
0: <laughs>
7: yeah. You know,
1: I I no, you know, look, uh, there has been, thankfully, uh, in large part, due to talented folks uh, like everybody I'm sharing a screen with right now, like there has been no shortage of great stuff to watch uh, as a viewer. And, you know, I I, I I, think I've tended to sort of seek out uh, viewing experiences that really take me... Out of my living room as much as possible. Uh, so you know, in that sense, you know, I was I was a big fan of of unorthodox and and Tehran, and you know, Rob mentioned Queens Gambit certainly, um, even The Mandalorian, which I which I love, like anything that just takes me out of this room. <laughs> it has been has been good, but also you know. Uh, Maybe as uh, as too much of an empath, uh, uh, you know, as 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 a sap of sorts. Like a lot of the documentary fare has really struck a chord with me too. I guess in the same ways, allowing me to sort of feel like I'm living other people's lives to a certain extent. But you know, I know the Last Dance uh, had me from beginning to end. Um, uh, uh, the Taste the Nation, Padma Lakshmi. Uh, uh, Food series was fantastic. I still have a lump in my throat from watching last night uh, the Bee Gees. How can you mend a broken heart? Documentary, which is just extraordinary. Um, so, so those are things that that I have that I have enjoyed immensely. There's been no shortage of it. And then, yeah, the music. You know, look, I, uh, I, I actually during the pandemic, I I sat for several days and tried to create the comprehensive list of concerts I've. I can remember seeing in my life and I tapped out around the 600 mark uh that's a big part of of how I spend my time and whatever extra dollars I have every year is seeing live music so definitely missing that in a big way and so I've I've leaned even further into into trying to consume all different kinds of music and it's all there man it's it's two plus hours of of stuff in in the podcast I dropped last night so I, I you've got the link thank you for that and and anybody who wants to check that out can check it out but um but yeah that, that, that's the good thing another one of the silver linings is is while we're all stuck here staring at screens at least there has been no shortage in my opinion of great things to watch one interesting thing though is you know, I, I and I'm not complaining because a paycheck's a paycheck, but I, I, I got a, a, a nice gig a few months ago just prior to the pandemic uh, th- that is based on some IP that, uh, that is, uh, uh, but it's a dystopian story, it's, you know, 15 minutes in the future after a complete uh, global financial meltdown. And to then have to render those services and tell that story while we have been going through what we have been going through was not easy it was definitely pouring salt on my wounds. So I, I, you know, I talk about taking long walks in parks, Lindsay. Like I've had to like do it several times a day just to sort of cleanse my soul of that ugliness. So that's all the more reason why watching something like The Mandalorian where I can just go away um, has been key for me. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, real quick, Trey, you know what I think stood out for me this year to add to the list you guys have all said is Ted Lasso. For oh, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah.
8: Yeah. Yeah. I can't great even show. say like
2: how much I love that show and yeah. just optimism and joy mm-hmm. and fun. I, I haven't, I don't know that I've seen a half hour that kind of did that for me in a long time.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, Drew, what are some of the great shows or films or music you've listened to or books you've read this year?
9: Um, well, no music, but, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, for me, I'm always watching shows and thinking about both what Trey was talking about getting out of myself, but I'm also thinking about what are things, what, what do they inspire in me to create other things? And <clears throat> the thing I've noticed this year that I really think is an amazing trend is not to get too in the weeds of production, but shows that are set overseas, financed overseas, show up on Netflix. He mentioned a couple dark from Germany or, you know, Mm. call my agent from France or, you know, even on HBO, like, uh, you know, I may destroy you or things, things, things that take you into a glimpse of another world and that are way other people live. Like I watched, I may destroy you. I didn't even love the show necessarily, but to watch a show about black lives in London, I was like, well, I'll I'll watch this forever. Like happily just like indulge in that. But I also think as people who create television and create movies, the future is not doing what I'm doing now, working for a big network show where you spend lots of money and get mediocre ratings, honestly. The future is spending not a lot of money, doing it with money from lots of different places, and combining talent from lots of different countries, and telling stories that people haven't seen. And you know the quality doesn't have to be like absolutely spectacular it just has to be good enough and the story has to be entertaining enough and to draw you in emotionally or plot wise so that you're you know you're you're loving this experience and to me the last year has shown that that exists and it doesn't just exist it's thriving and everybody i talk to like looking to develop new projects is can we, you know, would you be willing to fly to Lithuania to talk to people who are going to give us $5 million? And then can you go to Israel and talk to, you know, like, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I think that's fantastic. I'm so interested in that. And I, I find those, you know, that sort of, it's like the world music thing. It's, it's just like building on all these great cultures and all these great stories and finding ways to tell stories to Americans and to everybody overseas too. So I love that. And I that's I know that's a vague answer in terms of what are my favorite things, <laughs> but it's a narcissistic answer in terms of what am I going to do next? So,
0: no, I mean, it's, it's great. And you I, I, gave. I, I,
3: I, uh,
9: yeah, uh, uh, no,
0: was, go ahead. Rob.
9: It, it has been really kind
3: of uplifting to, to see, you know, with what Andrew's talking about, the the amount of calls I'm getting, just people looking for diverse content. You know where where people are saying, "Hey, Rob, remember that thing we turned down like you know two years ago? You know where we said that there was no way that a black person could ever you know and everybody would want to see that movie? Well, well, we kind of want to see. You know, did you ever? You know, can we take another look at that thing? And um and those things are 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 moving. It's uh, it, it's kind of remarkable. I mean, luckily I, I I've written a lot of them on spec, so they're around, so they're you know they they can be bought. And I hope that this is not a moment. I hope that this is a, a sea mm-hmm. change that w- that we are, we will be, uh, our our curiosity will be rewarded by uh, us getting more curious about other cultures, about other you know the way other people live. Um, but it is it is uplifting, and I hope it's a I hope it's a,
9: I hope we have evolved. And, <laughs> you know? I, and I, if I could throw in a story, yeah, yeah. to a real life story, and I will name no names because I'll get fired, but. <laughs> Three years ago, it was laid down as a fiat that the leads in unnamed show had to be white and all the corollary players, their secondary people could be color. And now it is literally the opposite. Now we are replacing people and it's like those people have to be people of color and we don't care about you know, what the, the sort of Caucasian demographic is of the viewership, viewership of the show or your cast. So like Do you think that's enlightenment
3: rank. or do you think that's enlightenment or do you think that's just business? I think that the
9: two go hand in hand.
2: Yeah. Add and fear, just the fear. Truth. Add fear as well.
9: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All those things. But I, I mean I think I don't know. I'm I mean I'm I hope for enlightenment, but business will do fine. Mm. So
0: um Going back to favorite shows, films, books, uh, Lindsay, what what have you been partaking in? What have you been enjoying?
8: Yeah, I mean, just reflecting on what everyone's saying, I think the most striking thing about this experience and this year is my living room is populated with the most diverse-looking faces and lives that I've ever sort of seen. Um, I I just watched the 40-year-old version last night. We watched I May Destroy You. Mandalorian is filled with the most kick-ass women and you know just it's it's just really striking as we're also consuming so much more so it's just like in in my face more but I'm just I constantly turn to to my husband and say like this is just amazing and I I do hope it's just a sea change because people are responding to it it's working it's not just some I I hope I I it's so great because my six-year-old is watching Mandalorian with us and he, he just accepts, and actually said to us, he goes, the women are the best fighters. And we're like, yeah, they are. So it's just so great to see, um, after so long in Hollywood, it being all white and male, to see this change and and long time coming, way overdue obviously, but I just think the storytellers, storytelling is richer for it. Um, I think Netflix is giving a platform for, you know something like the 40 year old version To exist and to be made and um, I'm definitely in a weird bubble over here in England where whereby both just being far away and also my career is in a little bit of a a standstill right now Um, not just COVID related but I'm now um, the primary caretaker for my two-year-old at the moment so so I like things will pop up on Netflix and I'll be like wait what when who when was this made how did this get made this is amazing Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have, Ava. you probably have lots of stories of how some of these things are getting made or not made or the calls you're getting as a rep. Um, how different that might be from, from, you know, a few years ago even, but, um, it's been wonderful and really inspiring to see. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, I hope for a lot more of it in 2021 and beyond. Um, I think my favorites right now, honestly, like there's a lot of, darker stuff we've consumed and so um, i'm late to coming to Shit's creek so thank god for Shit's creek like it just it just makes me smile just makes me so happy um and we're only halfway through so i know we've got a lot more good stuff to come but um so we'll watch something like the boys and i'll be like oh, and then i'll put on Shit's creek and be like okay so,
0: yeah that's such a
5: good show <laughs>
8: They're, they're, I, I mean I almost everything I've watched is great for a reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, or I find I find something to really respond to in it. like I would never have watched the boys and and yet all my angst about America like sort of got to <laughs> explode onto the screen with the boys. so um, so yeah, I'm, I don't I just feel like creatively I'm expanding my own. Self mm-hmm. as well, watching all these things because I think I was a little i realized I'm, I was a little bit narrow in my own viewing, and now I've just been like, just bring it. Just let me just eat it up. So I don't think I answered your question. <laughs> you
0: yeah, I mean, Sort of. I mean, we're just. What are some great things you've seen or read or listened to this yeah. year? That's all. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, cre- yeah it's there you cre- go.
8: Normal people.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, yeah. I, I love that show. I found it t- this year too, uh, so that's great. Um, Alex, what what are you watching? What have you seen that's amazing?
4: Well, uh, first of all, I have to say Queen's Gambit, which already was mentioned, I feel like that's actually going to be the the, the John Wick of the moment where clearly it's having a seismic effect culturally. Um, I was reading that chess sales are up, uh, books on chess sales up, uh, chess.com, massive influx of of, of new users and I, I, I am sure this is not the last that we saw of chess-themed uh, movies and TV projects. Actually, for years, I've been wanting to do a story in chess, which I sort of lived in part. Like, I, but no, nobody's interested. Nobody cares. I'm like, yes, now 2021, I'm going to sell this. Um, so um, definitely th- th- that's the one that um, is going to have long legs in, in, in terms of um, our business. Nobody's actually mentioned *The Great*, which is something that I've discovered uh, this year. And talk about like something, and you know, as a writer, where you just go, "Oh man, that is so deliciously written." And this Hamilton-esque take on on Russian history, which is utterly anachronistic, utterly ir- irreverent, yet is so utterly enjoyable with just career-redefining performances, as it was the case with Nick Hold and where the writer is the invisible star of, of 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 the show, I just loved 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 it, and cannot wait for uh, season two. Um, and um, you know, uh, people, I uh, I think Trey mentioned an orthodox, which I also loved, and I, I guess again the the trend is the stories that that a few years ago you'd be like, oh yeah, no way in the world, period story about this. Alcoholic, drug addicted, uh, uh, mentally nonentity there, female chess player, or this young woman uh, trying to flee her li- life in the Orthodox community. Where or a show with subtiles like 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 uh, money heist. No 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 no. And what is clear is, um, I feel like the more weird and unique the show, the more undeniable it is. So it's like, oh yeah, she's a hard as nails cop. And she is a tough lawyer. And together, like, no, 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 Those days are long gone. And that's what's exciting where um, the stories that you would say, well, this is interesting, but there is no way it's going to find its way onto the screen. Now we can. Um, so um, in terms of, um, and in terms of books, I actually, there's a series that I've been following, uh, uh, Post Game of Thrones, I've just been hungry for another um, another fantasy series. And I don't know if you guys read Joe Abercrombie, a British writer. Um, he created something called The First Law Universe. Um, and it is freaking good, man. It's really, really awesome. So kind of begins similar to, to Game of Thrones, the sort of medieval style fantasy. But um, uh, two new books just came out. And it sort of goes into what if, uh, the world of Game of Thrones developed technology. So now we're into Victorian age and he's doing his homage to Dickens and all of twist and all that stuff. It is really, really good. Uh, and I, I've just been vastly enjoying uh, the series. And to anybody who is saying, well, Game of Thrones kind of ran its course. What's, what's another book series I can read that, that treads in the similar territory, but does something uh, unique. Uh, I highly recommend that.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Um,
4: and lastly, Paul,
0: what uh what have you seen read listen to this year that you found absolutely amazing
5: um for me uh we already talked about it i when i discovered ted lasso this year mm. it was the perfect time because it was it was one of the one of my darker valleys of 2020 and this show came on and somebody said you should watch the show and they told me just because i'm a, a football fan soccer fan and um it filled me with so much joy because, you know, there was, there were no real tropes. There were no villains. There were, it was like, yes, you can be a decent human being and, and you can have stories with decent human characters and it's still funny and it's still, I just, I could go on and on about it. Um, I loved, uh, Prentice Penny's uncorked. If anyone saw that, it was, uh, this little film he made for Netflix and I I thought it was really lovely. Um, about wine, um, but really about people. Um, my second favorite television show of all time ended in 2020. It went out beautifully, I thought. BoJack Horseman. Mm. Um, that is that is that show. I don't think there has been a more accurate take on our industry in the history of you know screen than than BoJack Horseman. Um, documentaries that I loved. I, the year started off so optimistic for me with Tiger King. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, Do we, we remember when we thought that was as crazy as anything could possibly get? Remember when we felt that way for five seconds? I love that. Um, I loved uh, Michelle McNamara's I'll Be Gone in the Dark. That was beautifully done documentary, um blew my mind. And uh, oh, and the thing I just saw recently, as far as, you know, I get inspired by, by actors a lot and performances and the other people. there. I get inspired by music, obviously more than anything, but, but directors, I mean, costume designers inspire me. And I just saw last week Sound of Metal and Riz Ahmad performance in that to me, I haven't seen anything to come close to that in, in a long, long time. Just watching that film just for his performance alone, it it was staggering to me and I'm a huge music fan. So there was that, but it's, and it's just beautifully done too. It's, I highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. Those are, those are the kind of things I love. Book wise. I, I'm, I just finished reading interior Chinatown mm. uh, Charles U book, which uh, mm. is fantastic in just the way it's written because it's just, it's, it's a novel, it's a screenplay, it's a memoir, it's a poem. It's, it's hilarious. And it's, it, you know, opened a world up to me. Like somebody else was saying earlier about how we're experiencing these different cultures and worlds, thankfully, finally. And uh, Interior Chinatown is this novel that it's this, you know, the struggling Asian American actor and and his plight, and it's it's just, I just thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Before we move on to the next question, which would be things you'd like to see in 2021, not things you predict, but things you would like to see both in the industry and just in general. Um, I wanted to jump back to Ava really quickly. And a lot of people on the panel have been talking about wanting to get away, wanting to, an escape from COVID. Um, But I know also that a lot of uh, Lindsay brought it up as well, a lot of great stories coming from this pandemic and not not necessarily just about the pandemic, although uh, a lot of people just have time so they're writing stuff, but specifically also about the pandemic. Um, after 9-11, you, know, you have great films. After any sort of, of of moment in history that affects so many people, you're going to have great stories. So I want to ask Ava, when... I'm sure you've seen them already. I'm sure they're they're coming across your desk. I'm sure they're being emailed to you incessantly. Uh, when do you think for those writers out there who are p- pounding with their keyboards, their experience during COVID or their great story about COVID when is too soon? Um, i had heard a, st- a story and I don't know how true it was that shameless, this season of shameless actually is the first to deal with COVID. So I, I want to ask, um, sorry, Ava, what, what your thoughts are on, on, writers out there who are writing stories about this
2: i don't know i think i put out the first week of maybe the second week of march i, I remember I that Twitter, tweet. like do not write a pandemic plague mo- show or movie i don't want to see it nobody wants to see it mm-hmm. i think that's still mostly true um i think you know i i think for me what's been interesting and where i've seen i thankfully haven't seen anything specifically pandemic-y on my on my desk and i don't really want to what i'm more interested in and what i do think i've seen clients do and other writers do is address the themes that have resonated to them during this pandemic the emotional things the the existential elements the relationship elements it's stuff like that so it's not about you know sitting at home and finding love between balconies or something you know like there have been some of those out there that's not of interest to me Um, but but I've read some scripts that you know really delve into some dark terrain or some really emotional ones and and resonate in a way that's I think far more universal and frankly makes it more timeless you know um, that to me is is just much more compelling and interesting, and that's also much more human and more broadly relatable because one person's experience here. You know, just even my experience in LA is gonna be different than Huntington Beach, right? It's gonna be just a right. little bit different. Um, let alone Florida, let alone other places around the world. So, I think I think it's too narrow to write something just about your own maybe solo experience in that way, which is another reason why I wouldn't recommend doing it. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, like uh, one of the favorite scripts I read from a client this uh, this year. Um, was just a a client who was watching um, all the Charlie Brown specials this summer with his uh, now four-year-old and realizing just how awful everybody was to Charlie Brown and just how terrible they all are and just like not having watched it since he was, you know, since he was a kid And, um, and so he got inspired and all of a sudden sends the script and I just was so enthralled by it but it was basically kind of applying the big chill to Charlie Brown and it, and it's all these, uh, it's the adult peanuts characters who all come together after Charlie Brown has just committed suicide and it's fucked up and dark and weird. And I, freaking loved it. And I'm so excited to start sharing this with people, but the thematics of it, and it was just so emotionally resonant to, and then to play, I mean, it's not something we'll probably ever, ever get made, but it's just one of those calling card type of scripts. And he's needed one of those, maybe, you know, it's been maybe a year or two, maybe two years since he's had one. So, but like, to me, that's, what's interesting. And and he's written two other things since then that have also these resonating emotional thematics in different worlds and scopes. And I think that's, I think that's where, where artists should capitalize.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So now things that we'd all like to see in 2021, not predictions, but just things that in an ideal world you would like to see both in the industry and just in general, uh, I'm going to start with Drew. Uh, what would you like to see in 2021, sir?
9: I was worried that you were going to start with me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean God. I can come back to you. <laughs> no, I mean I think my the things I'd like to see are honestly just normalcy. <sighs> I'm I'm desperate for like you know, I, I a lot of the stuff I write is geopolitical and I can't. Like it's to write geopolitical in the Trump era is just impossible. You cannot compete with the clown car. So you <laughs> have to just step away from it so i've stepped away from it so like normal soup would be nice just I didn't have to have two bourbons before bed every night that would be fantastic
0: (laughs) uh trey
1: what do you want to see in 2021 oh goodness uh yeah some semblance of uh peace uh inside the republic um uh, sp- specific to the industry, I'll tell you one thing I'd like to see, uh, because it impacts all of us. Look, I'm, I'm a writer by trade, but I'm an avocational performer and a member of SAG-AFTRA. And, um, the fact that they have dropped 3,500 of their performers and 2,800 of their dependents off of the SAG-AFTRA healthcare plan is, uh, is just completely uh, reprehensible in every way and uh, and and it it worries me as someone who has just gotten a wife through a bone marrow transplant and and leukemia treatments, uh, all of which are grossly expensive, and none of which would have been possible without the thankful solvency of the WGA or PWGA health plan, it worries me when I see any of our trade unions in this town treating their members that way because it sends a message to all the others uh, that that's an acceptable practice. And so Mm -hmm. I would like, I know there's a class action suit that has been filed. I would really like to see that decision re-examined and and for those folks to keep their health care. In the broader sense, of course, I want us all to have... Uh, healthcare in this country. It's its unimaginable that we that that this is not a guarantee for us, but I'll, I'll try and avoid the larger political uh, dialogue. It's just something that this is a very small town, right? I, I grew up in a small town, but I always say to my SC students, there's no smaller town than Hollywood. Um, but yeah, what impacts SAG impacts all the rest of us and vice versa. And so that's something that I would like to see uh, changed in
0: 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, but Trump has a the best plan, right? Who knew it was this complicated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh
1: God, um, I don't want to. I don't want to push uh, Drew back to the bourbon this early. It's not noon yet, so. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, uh, uh, Lindsay, what what would you like to see in twenty twenty one?
8: Well, I mean, other than the vaccine, and yes, Trump out, and all that good stuff. Um, I think in our business, I want to see that what we were talking about before the trend not, not be a trend. I want to see these, these diverse stories continue. Um, particularly I'd like to see more women behind the camera. Um, it's, you know, we still have a long way to go. Uh, we need, we still need more female storytellers. Um, so it's great to see more females, um, starring in things and diverse females to, at that. But, um, yeah, I, I still want to see more, more of my female, um, compatriots, uh, uh writing and directing. Um, personally for myself, I just want to Get more creative. I think I've been in a little bit of a, a paralyzed rut with with COVID and just for a, a few other creative reasons. And so for myself, I'm setting that goal just to say, "Eff it and let it all let it all come out." So um, so yeah, hopefully some good things for myself as well. Um, but yeah, no, I just I really it's been a strange year. Everyone's cut off. Um, people are struggling emotionally and mentally and financially. And I I just hope that that there's a lot of hope. To be had in 2021, um, and uh, unfortunately, I have to run. I've got a six-year-old screaming up there. I'm so sorry to, no. to go, but it, it's really good to see everybody in Los Angeles. Ava,
2: say miss hi to Cole.
8: I miss you guys. Good to see you, yeah, Lindsay. I miss you a lot, and just everybody. It's just good to see you. Meet you. Um, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy
0: New Year. Thank you, Lindsay. Happy Thank holidays. you
8: for having me. Thank you so much, everybody.
0: Uh So, okay. uh, Alex, have I gotten to you? Yeah, No, I did get to you. Um, No, I didn't get to you. Alex. (laughs) Uh, Things you'd like to see in
4: 2021. uh, Return to normalcy and return to to decency and empathy. Mm. I I mean, look. I think normalcy is going to take a while. As I said, I don't think that's going to happen in 2021, but at least we can start walking. Um, But boy, we are not, this was a hard year and we didn't really make it easy for ourselves, did we? Um, And I, I, I feel like as we begin to crawl out of the pit we've sort of dug ourselves into, I would just love to see a little bit more decency, a little bit more empathy, a little bit less venom on, on quite frankly, on, on both sides. Um, and um, this, this applies to our world in general, but also specifically in our business. I, I've also, as I think I was said earlier in the conversation, we're not the frontline workers. I know we're treating it like it's life and death, but at the end of the day, Hey, we're just telling stories for a living. We're we are court jesters, trying to to trying to amuse those around us and 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 distract them with um, uh, and educate them occasionally with our with our fables. And I I, I would just love to see, yeah, uh, a, a, a little bit more of us coming together as a community because I sort of feel like. Um, emblematic of, of the state of our country, Hollywood is very much divided right now. And um, um, I, I would love to see just all, all of us coming more together as, 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 as creators, as storytellers, um, and as a community.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
4: great. Um,
0: Mr. Edwards, what would you like to see in 2021? You yes. hear me, Rob. Uh, there we go. I
3: think in, yeah, exactly. Where's that button? And then, and then of course, my <laughs> little side menu shows up right when I want to click the thing. So, uh, sorry, but um, yeah, I think that that I, I'm a little bit with everybody else that, that that there is. Well, here here's how I'll I'll depart. A, a lot of us want to return to normal, uh, or or want to return to yeah, want to return to where we were before. Um, which, you know, uh, unfortunately for black folk, wasn't all that great. You know, March was not a great, you know, I'm still getting pulled over uh, uh, for for no reason at all. So, and I'm a nice guy, but uh, so so I, I'm actually hoping that there was an evolution during the time that all the protests and everything like that um, sunk into enough people, uh, you know, that a lot of the conversations I've been having over the you know, uh, over zooms during the, during quarantine have been really good. You know, a lot of friends of mine have been like, wow, okay, wait. So LA is only 30% white. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like how is that? That my office is a hundred percent white. Like, yes, exactly. We live in a, you know, there's some, something's going on there, you know, some manipulations, let's say. Uh, uh, So, so those things are changing, which is good. Um, And I'm hoping that we, uh, at the end of this, like we come out of it better you know, that, that when the sun shines again and we're all kind of uh, walking around that, that we're just, we we have evolved. We're a little bit, um, you know, uh, uh, we will look at people in a different way and kind of, you know, reach out as opposed to like, uh, you know, I can do without the clutch, the purse clutching <laughs> you know, on the elevators mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And hopefully that, those, uh, those days are gone. And I think like, it's interesting to see what's been going on the last couple of days. Where it's like, you know, when you're kind of, you have the flu or whatever, and then like the last day of the flu, and you're taking whatever you're taking, and then the last day of it, like you're sick as a dog, and then you wake up the next morning, you know, like, okay, you're drenched in sweat, but you feel great. And hopefully that's what all of this, this, what we're dealing with between now and January uh, uh, 20th, you know, there's going to be a lot of crap in the streets and a lot of, you know, whatever, and people are randomly stabbing people and stuff like that. And then hopefully the sun shines and we go, okay, we are now, you know, we've shed the cocoon and now we are, you know, now we are the butterflies and we're going to kind of uh, 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 go off and go. So that is my, that is my, 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 my deep hope. That's my Christmas wish and my, and my new years.
0: I'll wrap up into one. Yep. So we've heard empathy, decency, universal healthcare, evolution. Uh,
5: What do you have, Paul? Um, you know, for me and look, well, this is our wish list, so I, I have I you know I don't hold out much hope for this, but like if I if I could have one wish for twenty twenty-one, it would be for the end of you know, this hate and ignorance being empowered and emboldened, and I put that on the media, you know, when after January twentieth that clown's going to continue to have rallies and events and, and the media's going to cover it and he's going to be on Fox news and he's going to be on all this. And if everyone would just ignore it, it would take so much of the juice out of those 74 million poor, pathetic souls that voted for him. And, 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 and I don't mean, I mean, this is obviously political, but I mean this from a human being standpoint and what we've talked about, about decency and, and, it's just if the media would stop that every movie makes every word out of his mouth is, Oh, we got to cover it. You know, I think that would really help our society a lot. I mean, I, I, you can't even get me into the, you know, the, the people in the, in his own party, you know, that are standing with, you know, what put it. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that cause we all know, but it's just, um, I would love for the media to, to once, just once, you know, not feel like, hey, ratings and, and put society maybe ahead of, of that. Um, As for our business, I wish this every year. And it's simply that the buyers and the deal makers would stop being reactionary and stop, you know, like just find good stories and put them on the air and stop like Oh, flea bags on. So now everybody wants their flea bag. Oh, George Floyd happened. Nobody wants to buy a cop show or anything with a law enforcement, you know, character in it. Right. It's just, and this has been the way the business has been forever. So it's not just a 2020 thing. But I wish for that every year that that reactionary buying would stop and that people would buy based on story and not based on. Well, this is how I don't get fired.
4: Mm hmm
0: um ava
2: i mean i think the guys have covered it and then some i mean it um yeah i just want to believe in science and i want people to believe in truth and facts and uh you know empathy and kindness and you know all all of those good things and and yeah it's funny paul we were saying like i stopped watching tv news november 9th of 2016 because of how complicit i found them to be So um, as someone who volunteers a lot and and banks and does all of that kind of stuff. And and now this year probably threw more money than I did necessarily as much as my time as I did in the past. But um, yeah, it, uh, you know, there's, there is a level of responsibility and it's not just a shareholder. So it, um, I, I hope we have more of a balance of that. And, and I'm also really thrilled to see that you know yes other stories you know and i think this merges both in life and in art you know we're we're just interested in seeing how other people live and what other experiences are and and i think you know the fact that like a show like watchmen which i, I you know i'm a giant nerd so i was a big fan obviously of the gra- original graphic novel for a very very long time since i was a kid and then to see that as a sequel thing and and as a side note regina king can do no wrong um but um but I mean, she's just like, I mean, you know, just bow at that altar. But to have what happened, you know, as, as far as like Black Wall Street, and you have so many people go like, wait, what is that? That was real? Wait, what? You know, and having people realize that we've also only been taught a really specific point of view and an incredibly narrow one too, even, even within the Caucasian community, it's still a very narrow point of view, um, that this is the power art has you know, is to raise some of these questions, to ask some of these things. And like, I'm even noticing it just for the last year and a half that a client of mine who's, who's half Native American, like, oh, that's not the diversity we're looking for. It's only been in the last like six, eight months, year that people are like, oh, well, that's actually interesting. Like, maybe we'll care about that now, you know? And it was like, we're only looking for this kind of point of view or this diversity. And as someone who's an immigrant and I wasn't born in this country and and being Iranian American and all of these things. And, and, you know, maybe I'm less Brown cause I don't get as much sun as I used to, but you know, it's just nice to be able to have, you know, you know, like, like right now I'm, I'm going to be speaking in the new year um, at the new middle Eastern writers group that has been formed within the WGA and with folks I've known socially and uh, some are Iranian, some are different backgrounds. And like, and like, I'm thrilled to see that coming because while we, technically don't count as our own, um, you know, minority, I think Arab and Iranian and and just sort of more broadly Middle Eastern is seen as Caucasian. There's a cultural point of view, there's just life points of view and stuff like that. So my hope is that what we've seen progress over the last couple years will continue and will continue to broaden stuff because what we're seeing in, you know, whether it's time periods or, or different points of view, that they're interesting, they're relatable, um, there's a humanity there, and that's also what makes them great art, and so the more we can see that, the more I hope it then seeps back to the kindness, because you're seeing Gen Z, who more often than not, I find very inspiring, <laughs> um, by and large, um, because they've grown up seeing diversity on Disney Channel, and they've grown up seeing the stuff, they don't, they're not thrown off by, you know, LGBTQ people, and trans, whatever, that's no big deal, you know, it's, a lot of the rest of us who, unfortunately, you know, and the folks above, you know, above all of our pay grades who are in charge of these things, who are, are the ones who are still catching up. But we're already seeing the benefits of this art with this younger generation and how, again, by and large, they're more open-minded than the one before. And that's because of folks on here and, and the ones in our circles um, who we try to advocate to tell interesting stories. So I just hope to see that trend continue.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of wrapping it up i want to ask you guys all for one a new year's resolution and then also for those writers out there who thought 2020 this is you know at 2019's ending 2020 is going to be my year and then this happened and so now they're going 2021 that's going to be my year what's one piece of advice you could give or uh to those writers out there who think, okay, 2021, that's gonna be my year since 2020 w- wasn't. So a New Year's resolution and just a, a piece of advice or a, a good word for those writers out there who think 2021 will be the year for them. Uh I will start with uh Trey.
1: Oh boy. Uh okay. Uh my resolution uh is is to try and um Try and pay more attention to my inner 12 year old. Um, I, um, I recently had a little back and forth in the most pleasantly delightful way on, on Twitter with Mark Hamill. Mm. And, uh and, um, I
4: saw that on Facebook congratulations uh, yeah thank you was
1: I think
2: I think I put a bunch of like oh my god emojis on yeah it.
1: yeah it was a big moment for me but it was big moment also and then it just reminded me like uh, yeah yeah that kid I was in 77 that's pretty much the kid that I that I usually channel when I sit down to write virtually anything and and yet the 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 pressures of the pandemic and an industry shutdown and having everybody home and all those sorts of responsibilities and everything we've gone through personally as a family in the last few years. It's just like all of that stuff has a way of shoving that inner 12 year old, uh, in, into the, into the darkest recesses of the closet. So like I, I, I need to pull that kid back out again. And, um, and, uh, and so that's, that's my resolution to myself. Um, you know in terms of advice to anybody who's like uh is 2021 finally going to be my year i i think that process has to begin with you saying hell yes 2021 is going to be my year right it is uh th- we all know everyone in this call knows that uh if nothing else this is a blind faith optimism game that we are playing here uh it's a persistence game it requires you on a daily basis to say I can do it. (laughs) And, uh, and, and so that's, that's where the process is going to start, you know? So I, I always say to people like when they're, they're like, I think I might want to try writing. I'm like, well, you should start by saying I'm a writer. Like it's, that's, that's where this process begins. It's, you can call it manifesting, whatever you want to call it, but like, yeah, uh, uh, you have to begin 21, 2021 by saying 2021 is my year. That's, that's probably the best advice I can give. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Uh, Rob,
3: Uh, yeah it's it's uh it's interesting because i i um trey uh teaches uh uh you know at usc I, i teach at syracuse and um and one of the things you get uh you know people are always saying like geez you're directing a movie and you're writing these you know whatever three four movies and 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 why how in the world do you have time to do this i'm like no, no no i get stuff out of it i get this like crazy magic kid energy out of it. I hear their ideas and I'm like, "Wow, I haven't thought like that in a million years." And and it's just super fun. And and so yeah, keeping that part of it alive is 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 huge. And a lot of times I will give I'll see something, you know, they'll submit something to me and I'll, and I'll just say like, "No, absolutely not, and here's why." And then I'll realize, "Oh my god, I just did that." You know, I, I have an outline that I just sent out that did that exact thing. And I'm sure the people reading it are feeling the same annoyance with, you know, with the, with the you know, tricks that, that, uh, that, that I do. Um, yeah, so I look at it th- that way. And I also look at it like, it's interesting when I, with the years, when people ask a question like, oh, is 2021 going to be my year? the wrong way to ask that question is to say, what am I going to get out of 2021? The right way to ask it is what am I going to give to 2021? Mm. You know, that, 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 um, that, look, we've all been through this thing. We are all more than anything. uh, um, The same idiot, you know, (laughs) this entire time, everybody has the same stories. Everybody has, you know, ridiculous terrible batches of sourdough and uh you know and uh you know we've all been the same thing there's no no scenario where we would have all watched Tiger King you know and so 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 here we are we're united in this one thing and this is a chance to tell just fantastic stories if you have a great story to tell um you know yeah like Abba says do not, please do not remind me of what we've been through in 2020. You know, I don't want to hear anything about it. I don't want to hear politics. I don't want to hear anything. But yeah, if you have a great story to tell about, um, you know, uh, that comes from the heart that, that you think can move people, you know, if you have something to say, say it in 2021 and, um, uh, and I want to hear it, you know, cause I want to hear what, what everybody's up to and, and that should answer its own question. You know, you give enough, then it comes back to you. I mean, that's the way this industry works. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Um, Paul, New Year's resolution and what sort of, what do you want to say to those writers out there who are going to make 2021 their year or give something to 2021 and make 2021 their year?
5: I don't know. <laughs> what Rob will saying? New Year's resolution, i not, don't really do those, but I would say for me personally to just continue in this sort of state of gratitude and, and remember that kindness is, is not weakness. Um, you know, it's like you can't ever be too kind and it's incredibly powerful. Um, as to those riders, like 2021 is is the year, like train Rob, both keyed on things of you you have to believe that and have that optimism and you have to say what what can I give as opposed to what can I get the for me I would say um trust for them as far as trust yourself trust your own voice trust your we all have inherent storytelling structure built in since we were toddlers you know don't feel like I have to do what save the cat says I have to do what you know, story says I have to do, it's like, trust, trust your own voice and write your own story. And then also respect the craft. You know, if you, I run into so many that, Oh, I want to try being a screenwriter. I'd like to be a screenwriter, but they don't, they see it as like, Oh, you stay in your pajamas all day and you write whenever you feel like it and you do. And it's like, no, you're going to fail. It's like, you have to respect it as a vocation and a job and you have to work your ass off, you know, and it's like, and especially in 2020, I, I had a thing going for a while. I put these little videos on my Instagram and it was like, get out of your sweats and get off the couch. You know, like, I know we're all going through this, but if you want to write, you know, it's like, get up, get dressed and go to work. And, and to me, that's respecting the craft, you know, and, and, and I feel like now, especially we this is a little bit off topic, but I, I, I've been thinking so much during this whole conversation about that amazing Toni Morrison quote, you know, that that in difficult times is precisely the time when artists go to work. You know, there's no time for despair, no time for self-pity. No, you know, we speak, we write. You know, this is how civilizations heal. Like like her words just resonate right now with me so much. And, and that's what I'd say. Great
0: um <clears throat> alex a new year's resolution and what would you say to those writers out there about they're taking 2021 by the horns
4: well you have to ask me next that uh, Paul is a, is a hard act to follow <laughs> um okay so uh first of all i don't do resolutions i do goals uh personally for me so i started writing a spec i've been wanting to write for the last 10 years It's been sort of this moby dick of an idea and this continually eluded me, and I finally decided to tackle it. So, uh, midway through it, and very much hoping to, 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 to finish and see good things happen to it. Um, there is um, also concurrently a TV show based on that book that I loved as a kid. It took me, I, I want to say, about 15, 20 years to finally get the rights. It was one of those things, which is like the rights were split up between different estates, and there's no way in the world you get it. Finally, got it. Um, it, it, and it's been in development with the, with a studio. We, 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 attached director. So it's going to go to market in early next year. Again, hoping to, to, to see good things happen. It's real labor of love. And lastly, the chess story that I just mentioned that, that I'll, I'll, when I just finished watching King, King Queens Gambit, I'm like, Oh my God, that story that I lived as a kid in Russia playing chess. I think there's a way, I think there's a way to tell it. Um, so to, to, to speak about writers and this is speaking from experience as somebody who it took me 10 years to become a writer. I was an exec and, and constantly talked about writing, constantly talking about t- telling stories, um, coming off, of, coming out of USC, but it took me 10 years to do that. Why? Here. Um, I, I feel like you can say I'm a writer. You can say, I want to be a writer. It ain't worth shit. You got to write. And it's what Paul said, you got to treat it as a job, which means you don't wait for inspiration. You don't wait for the right idea. You don't wait to be in the mood. You sit down and you work. And look, I've been doing this now professionally for 15 years. I'm sure Trey, you've been doing it longer because I remember reading loving your scripts when I was an exec. It is fucking hard when you're doing it for a living. It's still hard. It's been really hard this, 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 this year, but you've got to do it. So to me, the, 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 the way to make 2021 or 2022 or 2020 whatever your year is, commit to pouring yourself on, on, on the page at, 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 and do so knowing that the only thing you control in life as a writer are the words on the page. And you got to break up pieces of, of your soul. you got to believe on that page, because we were talking about earlier how the bar is really high. But I believe, I truly believe that when you find that undeniable idea and you infuse with that piece of yourself, which is undeniable emotion, your experience, um, and again, just kind of since sum it all up, how the, the more diverse points of view, the more um, eclectic voices, um, the shows that we love they all tend to be set all over the world because we can't travel anymore. So so I want to see more content that, that is set set in other countries. You you find that and I think it's going to sing. But it's but it's on you. Nobody else will do it for you. Don't let don't let uh the the the, the, the market dictate what story you're gonna tell. Don't let the script defeat be you because I guarantee you there will become a point in your writing where like Page 50, you just go. Oh, it's just it's a shit, and 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 you give up and you never finish. You got to you got to do this. So you have the key, but it but it but it lies with patience and perseverance, and and so that's that's what I I I, I say to all the, the the writers out there. Just punch the keys, <laughs> to quote the it. late Sean Connery. Punch the keys.
0: I love it, Alex Litvak, the motivational guru of of uh zoom <laughs> uh so uh bringing us home ava bringing us home new year's resolution Hi, and what would um, you say to those writers out there besides don't write a COVID script right
2: now. <laughs> um, no i think all those gentlemen have touched upon it it's um you know you got to put yourself in this you know and and i think a lot of people look at us reps of like all right now i've got a rep and you know do everything for me, but it it starts with you. You know, you're the engine as a writer of, of all of it. You know, we're, we're here to be your, you know, a champion and an advocate and to, and to hopefully provide opportunities or expand your opportunities beyond what you already have access to. But, you know, it's, and, and, and really kind of what Alex had said too, it's the stuff that makes something special is the stuff that, that has some of you in it you know, and, and if it doesn't, it's not gonna, it's not gonna resonate in a way that material really needs to just to stand out. So, you know, it's, it's the, you know, we we all grow and evolve, hopefully, um, as we get older and learn more about ourselves and or want to self explore. And, and I think, you know, but those writers who do have reps, you know, vet a few of these ideas, you know, um, because at least for me, I wanna make sure that that time that's being spent by that client is also time that's gonna result in a reward, hopefully for them, in terms of whether it's a sale or or expanding opportunities. So, you know, ideally for me, it's it's a client has, you know, here, I've got these two or three ideas that I'm really passionate about. And then this one I think is gonna give you the best shot in the marketplace and it's something you're passionate about, great, go so mm-hmm. put your time and your heart and soul into that. So for me on my end, I just want to help guide that passion and that creativity so that it's also being ideally something that will make 2021 the best year yet, because it will come back for them in one way or the other in a meaningful way. And as far as resolutions, I don't really, I I make them every so often, but they're really small usually and something I can maintain like make my bed every day for this year. And I've now done that five years in a row. So it's been great. <laughs> right. That has now become a habit. To this last year, it was close every circle on my Apple Watch activity ring. So far, I've done it. I think I will maintain that. It's been very hard to work out every day, but I've been doing it. You know, So it's just more like little personal wellness stuff like that. You know, um, I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to consume. I I I thankfully don't seem to have any trouble finding my inner 12 year old. That's probably what's held me back in other ways in my life. (laughs) But um, by the way, Trey, if you ever want to watch more Star Wars stuff or talk animated series or geek out on other cartoons, I have a number of things I could recommend to you. Good, good, good. Yeah, it's like I want to sort of try to keep maintaining that just sort of that joy of what it means to work in this business because it's a privilege.
1: Great.
0: So, thank you to our panel today, Alex, Ava, Trey, Paul, Rob, and everyone else who was here who had to depart early for other commitments. Um, Thank you all for listening. Happy New Year to all of you. And uh, let's all make 2021 the year, right? Yeah. So, thank you guys. I appreciate it. And thank you.
9: Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you. You too, guys. Here we go.
4: The way we kick it in the dojo is local for show though. We pay the rope that's opposing the dojo. Going over your head like a top hat. Stop that. I know you hear me spitting these hot raps. Now watch that beat, cause it's about to drop. The rockets is the 09 jump off. Yeah, yeah
5: Last name, Pan First name, Peter. I know you see.